KKFN and KKFN HD1 Longmont, Denver. Just after 5 o'clock. The 5 o'clock whistle, powered by smart local union nine sheet metal workers. Randy Gradishar getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, yesterday at work about this time, some of you don't know, but I still work. <laughs> and uh, I received a, a call from uh, Mr. Jim Porter. He's, he's the president of the Pro, Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, my my jaw actually dropped uh, when he gave me the news that I you know, was chosen to be going in as a senior finalist uh, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, uh, mm. and in, in that class of 2024, so be, as you know, next year. But uh, being chosen for that again is just a godsend for me. We congratulate Randy Gratishar. Long overdue. We'll get into that in a little bit. Cecil Lammy had some breaking news about Jonathan Taylor. I have some Jonathan Taylor news, both interesting and then kind of frustrating at the same time. And no around the league and what's funny yesterday I'm off I'm at the top of the Manitou incline I actually made it took an hour and a half or so oh, good for you um, lost phones buzzing it's GMs it's people around the league and because I've been inquiring I've been checking around like who's interested in Jonathan Taylor there's Uh-oh. two teams that I'm told are the most interested one is the Miami Dolphins because of their interest in Dalvin Cook and, and the Broncos interest in Dalvin Cook was also larger than they were letting on or anyone really knows um, the Denver Broncos are the second team. Wow. Wow. Okay. Michael Irvin at CU today. Let's come in here. Let's talk about a promise made on three. A promise made on three. Oh, we got to make that promise one man to the other. Each man for the other. A promise made on three. One, two, three. A promise made. Let's do it, man. Come on, Nate Jackson. What's the promise? Well, I don't know. But we made a promise. Gotta love the intensity. Whatever it is. We'll get to Bud Black's pitiful explanation of accepting complete meltdowns out of his team in a little bit as Andrew Mason will join us about training camp. But Nate Jackson, overall, what did you see at training camp with the Los Angeles Rams today? Yeah, I saw two teams that uh, kind of feel each other out. Um, the Rams maybe won the day energetically, had the big one big play of the game or the day at the end of the game. It's not a game. At the end of the practice, they had a big touchdown on the two minute drill. The Broncos didn't have any moments like that. Um, the good moments the Broncos did have. Alberto had a heck of a day. He did. Was open a lot. Caught the ball well. Scored a couple touchdowns. Looked good running around out there. Um, his hands have been an issue, and today they were not. It was a moment of 85 popping. It yeah. happened today. Yeah, and he might be playing for his football life this week. He had a good day to have a good day. Yep, and tomorrow will be important. And then the game's going to be very important to, to Albert as well because there's 31 other teams who would love a guy like him yep. on their team, right? Maybe the Rams. Yeah, <laughs> you never exactly. Know. I mean, I didn't see any of their tight ends looking like Alberto out there today. Sure didn't. Right? So, But then again, you know, you got Jerry Judy on the other side dropping passes right and left and kind of moping around a little bit. So for me, though, Russell Wilson looked sharp, um, throwing the ball with a lot of velocity, causing some of those drops because the dudes couldn't handle it, handle the smoke. But that's no excuse. You got to catch the ball, right? Um, I thought the offensive line was okay. It wasn't horrible. There was some couple Olays and turn styles, but for the most part, I thought he had a, some time in the pocket. I thought that the running game was probably a little bit better for the Rams. There were some runs that got to the second level, but no one was really popping each other. They got the guardian caps out there, so the the cracking sounds that you're used to, you don't hear them as much. You did, so it's hard to tell when the big hits are happening or when guys are really causing some some. Uh, you know, some some trauma, some edema. 
we can't really tell. So, uh, But I think the Rams won the day, quote-unquote, and they're going to go back and watch the tape. Sean Payton's going to let them know where they messed up. Sean Payton didn't give his, his offense much praise at all. He said they no. were tired, too many penalties, a lot of plays. So these are coachable moments, and I imagine the Broncos are going to come out with more intensity tomorrow and be uh, and be trying to settle the score. Payton on the practice. Well, a lot of film to cover, obviously. Um, I thought overall just, again, I'm on half the field. Um, we got two real good special team periods done and then quite a bit of teamwork with a seven-on-seven, finished with a two-minute drill. Uh, I would say, I don't want to guess how many plays, but a lot of plays run. In, in a pretty short period of time. I thought both teams handled it really well. Pace was something. And I'll tell you this, the Rams were in better physical shape than the Broncos. How about that? Why? That's a good question. Do you think that was obvious? Do you uh, concur? Not incredibly obvious. Uh, but, um, but yeah, at the end of the practice there, I mean, particularly with the Broncos, I was seeing some... Some some hunched shoulders like Corlin Sun was kind of walking around a little bit out there back to the hu- back to the huddle Jerry Judy as well and so so guys were dragging a little bit. Well, Sean Payne said he had two lattes and he should have uh, put his uh, took taken his fox hat off with two lattes. What the hell is Sean Payton on uh, or uh, uh, is Sean McVay on? I mean, how many Red Bulls does that guy consume? The energy level with that that dude is off the charts, and I just think his team takes on that personality. I think that's what it looked like today. Not to say that Sean Payton is lethargic. I just think the Rams got a dude who is wound up. And maybe that's good and maybe it's bad. But I'll tell you this, it makes him go at a faster pace. The only person that I saw at a faster pace than McVay. You know, I have to bow to Sean McVay's powers of recollection. You've seen the videos of him. I have. What was Remembering the play? a play the yes. from like. Oh, yeah, you ran this play when you were on Washington staff in yes. 2014 against the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium in the third quarter. He's like, oh, yeah, no. Uh, that that guy has a you have the same power of regulation, Andrew. Not to it. that degree. You probably remember practices from seventeen years ago. Yeah, you get some freaky, okay. weird sort of moments. Well, I mean, I remember certain things. I mean, this was actually, you know, I, I, seventeen years ago would have been oh <laughs> six. Yeah, here we um, go. Did you, did you really want this? I did. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> it's funny. I was recalling that training camp because you remember that what a guy Keller. in your yes a guy in your position group Tony Scheffler. Yeah. And uh, your position coach was the, let's say kindly, the hard-driving Tim Brewster. Yeah. Who's now up in uh, Boulder, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my joke about that, but there's an element of truth, is that during training camp, Tony Scheffler's name wasn't Tony Scheffler. His last name was Tony. His first name was GD it. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember him saying over and over. GD Yes. Well, I can't yeah. say it on the air. No, I know. But you know what I'm saying. Gosh well, darn it, Tony. Well, gosh darn it. You can say gosh darn it. Gosh darn it, Tony, but he didn't yeah. say gosh darn. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just say gosh darn, though, and everybody yes. will understand gosh what we're talking it, about. Gosh darn it, Tony. Yes. It was all about run blocking for Tim Brewster and trying yes. to turn Tony Scheffler into a road grading blocker, which he was not. But you know what? Maybe Greg Dulcich needs a little bit of that. I'll tell you what. A guy who seems to have gotten the lesson on that is Albert Oakwebunon. Oh, we were talking about it. Yeah. The last week, not only as a blocker, but today, he was probably the Broncos' best pass catcher. How about that today? on the field today? How about three that touchdowns today? and another explosive play toward the end? 
he was open a lot too. I yeah, mean, you know, he was running free. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Judy was open too. No, yeah, he was. Jerry was yeah, a couple of drops there. Double. <laughs> what else did you see, Mace? Because um, you know, I mean, you see things that the, t- the, the average man does not. The timing was off. Mm. Offense and defense. We saw some false starts, but we also saw Nick Benito jumping twice. Now, there was, in defense of Nick Benito, there was a play that would have been a sack of Matthew Stafford in game conditions. And it does call to mind, again, in Nick Benito's defense, how Von Miller sometimes would get an offsides penalty when he was trying to time things. I don't think Nick Benito is anywhere close to that level. I want to make it clear. But sometimes when you're trying to get that jump, you're going to flirt with a five-yard penalty from time to time. On the first one, it was actually both him and Jonathan Harris jumped. So they just – I want to see where they're at tomorrow before I I start sounding the alarms, right? Okay, fine. I'll ask you this. They looked a little jumpy. They looked like the timing was off. The the Rams looked like they were more spry today. Okay. Let me ask you the same question that I asked Sean Payton then. What do you expect – to see or hope to see when you watch the tape tonight? What do you expect to see? I think you expect, based on what you saw in the initial outcome, I think you probably you probably expect to see things just looking a little bit off. Okay. In general. And so then tomorrow, guys, what should we all be looking for? If, it's, if we think it's going to be pretty obvious on tape, right? We think it's going to be pretty obvious. I think it was obvious to us, and we don't have educated eyes like, uh, like Nate's got educated eyes. Yeah, in fairness, you know, in mm-hmm. fairness to the coach, we actually have a much better vantage point of everything going on than he does. We can probably Not see, until they see the film. Well, right. Until oh, that we, moment. We That's see right. the missed That's blocks. Right. Like, for example, I mean, there was a play, and we were kind of joking about it. They, hey, they didn't throw the flag. Yeah, Garrett Bowles was doing the, the hug thing. Okay, that I'm not sure that that's going to, that Sean Payton would have seen that watching the entire play, but it's going to be obvious on film. Well, the referees didn't call that either, but uh, I mean, uh, what are you saying? I mean, what are you saying about Bolsey? I'm saying that was a hold. I'm saying that was a full on man hug. I mean. That was, that was like Rocky and Apollo Creed after they're running on the beach in Rocky 3, <laughs> hugging in the surf. Oh, man, Bolsey. What are we going to do with Bolsey? Cecil said he thought Bolsey was good today. Reasonable people can disagree sometimes. Yeah, I was standing next to a um, a couple of former offensive linemen for the Broncos, and they yes. were they had their concerns about Garrett Bowles, but their, their, their larger concerns were with Ben Powers. Yeah, he, he, and, did get, he did get beaten for what likely was a sack. Some of the technical issues that he's having in pass protection. Which is, you know, kind of, it's, it's, it's Inconceivable. fascinating. Inconceivable. Yeah. <laughs> the way he looked last year, it's, it's, it's bizarre. He doesn't, at times I'm like, okay, he doesn't look like the same player. He was a pretty dominant player for stretches last year for Baltimore. So I, like, I like the signing when they brought him yeah, in. Yeah, but his quarterback was Lamar Jackson. But that's and I, and hit Lamar Jackson, and then even the backup, of course. Oh you know, my gosh! Yes, what was is, that guy? Is, Tyler is Huntley. Tyler Huntley, right. who, as we saw when he came in for Lamar Jackson, he's got some mobility and some beyond structure capability. Good enough as to well. be the Broncos by one. Yeah, figure yeah, that, that out. Was a rough one. Good enough to where if they don't have the uh, the fumble in the jungle, they probably beat the Bengals. In the wild card round, I think Powers is a uh, is it's going to be an issue. 
And he is a massive human being. But again, it's funny with these offensive linemen. You take one step back, boy, that creates space. You take two steps back, the space is like uh, like the Grand Canyon. I'll also say this, and I'm going to credit Cecil Lammy on this because we're discussing this on Orange and Blue today. We should come watch on the Denver Sports Digital channels, uh, Twitter slash X, Facebook, YouTube. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's it's archived there for your viewing pleasure. Cecil and I, we, we try to kind of, on a practice like this, we try to divide a little bit. So I watched 7-on-7. Seven seven. He was watching the pit, the O-line, D-line, and edge rusher one-on-ones. And he said every Bronco in the in the O-line, Broncos D-line versus, versus Rams O-line, every Bronco went through it twice. And he said, edge and D-lineman. And he said, the, and in, his, in his estimation, the only one who won their rep was Matt Henningsen. Mm-hmm. On the uh, text line, I'm, I'm going to address it to both of you, but it is specifically to Nate first. Nate, how the heck did a team from L.A. come into Denver at elevation and out physical and be in better shape so much for a different camp? No name on that, but uh, interesting question because we've said that and look, that's how it looked to us today. Yeah, uh, it, it did. Guys were definitely tired out there. Sean Payton saw it, you know, without having to check the film that his guys were dragging a little bit. Sean, Sean McVay has been the head coach for six years there. So he has a system in place. These guys know what to expect, and you build each year upon year upon year, and you, you get in shape. Getting in shape is not just a year at a time thing. You you stay in a certain shape because of the system you're in. So I think maybe Sean Payton is going to take some time to get these guys up to speed. But it does it it, it makes you think because he brought in his own strength and conditioning guys. Yeah, they got here early. They just did five weeks of running and lifting. No coaches around. That's the Parcells way, and um, and they're conditioning after practice as well. But at the same time. The intensity of a game and game speed will, will will make you a lot more tired than you know you think it will, and so maybe they just they haven't had maybe the practices that the Rams are running just are have more reps. I agree. And they get to it quicker because yep. you know we're out here watching mm-hmm. t- training totally camp practice, agree. and it's not until an hour hour fifteen minutes into practice when they actually start doing stuff. Right. Maybe the Rams like Shanahan within the thir- first thirty minutes of practice they're doing full speed stuff and they do it throughout. Uh, that's an interesting point because I totally agree. It was a slow start. Like if you compared and contrasted the seven on sevens, the Rams on both fields dominated. That was the and that was the first team versus team thing that we saw was seven on seven Broncos offense that we I think we saw the first drop from Jerry Judy during seven on seven. Rams offense was crisp. The timing was good. When they were in third downs, they were getting the the yardage. Whereas the Broncos, that's where we saw some of the plays where you need third to seven, you get five. Yesterday in practice, it was inside. And so the Muggles were, I mean, we were right there. I mean, it was, and right there specifically. We were cold. They they they, they turned max chill <laughs> yeah, yeah. mode on the AC and, and we, in the spe- house. Specifically, we were really <laughs> close to the offensive line position group. It did strike me. Like, look how long it takes for these guys to actually just start playing real football. It feels like it takes forever. And there were time periods where other things were going out on the field. And I'm, we're standing right next to the offensive line guys. And they have some pad thing, and they're doing some hand thing. But you know what they were really doing? A whole lot of nothing. They were just standing there, and they were working on slight mechanics. But it's not like they were going through it at a rapid pace. And this is theoretically in the warm-up time to get to it. I think you're probably right. I think Sean McVay just says, you know, enough with that 
that sort of stuff will get there later. Let's get to football and get there quicker. And I think we've all noticed, like, wow, it's four reps for us, four reps for Danucci, four reps for Stidham. They changed that today, though. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Because everything was so much faster, it was hard to count how many reps for us actually had. And actually, from the Rams' perspective, did Brett Rippon, their number three quarterback, former Bronco quarterback, did he even get a seven-on-seven or team period rep today? Maybe not. And they keep four quarterbacks over there. But I don't think they care. I think they just have their guys going faster through everything mm-hmm. quicker with more reps. And don't forget, Sean McVay doesn't play his starters in the preseason at all. This was their preseason game today and tomorrow. Yeah. And, and the other, and another thing I was thinking about, and this is just in general execution and timing. Obviously, you're turning over a good chunk of the roster every year. We all know that. But in terms of what they've been teaching over there, there's a consistency over the last 70 years since Sean McVay got there in terms of the concepts that they are running. And so, of course, in terms of their timing and what they're trying to do, they are significantly ahead of the Broncos who are sitting here in year one with Sean Payton after change, after change, after change. And I think when you see it in contrast like that, especially when you've got a veteran quarterback like Matthew Stafford running things, I think that's where a huge difference is obvious. You know, awesome. To bring a little more light yeah. to that to that idea, when you're a player out there and you're trying to learn a system, it's yeah. very hard to cut loose and do it at full speed. When you're thinking about what my, what's my conversion on this route if they run cover two versus a cover four versus man, if you're thinking that stuff as you're – you don't play as fast. Mm-hmm. And so the Rams – who are playing in a system they know like the back of their hand with players like Cooper Cup and guys who've been in it for a long time and Matt Stafford, who's got it dialed in. They don't have to think about it. They can play at full speed and cut it loose. And the thing is, even the new guys mm-hmm. coming in have all those veterans who can help them out and yep. do help them out. Yep. The Broncos are thinking a It's new for everyone yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Yeah. Except for Lil Jordan Humphrey and Marquez Calloway. We may have to grade on the on the curve a little bit here well, yeah. don't watching forget, this. Don't forget about Michael Burton. I mean, yeah, Michael Burton. Yeah, yeah. Michael Burton's been in like... A million schemes. Michael Burton is, is the secret weapon. Yeah. He's, he's he's gonna his value is gonna be weird to define, but that dude's gonna be something of something. He's yeah. not not gonna play. Michael Burton's gonna be part of the puzzle. I am, might be your special teams captain, possibly too. Could totally see that. It's not McManus anymore. Yeah, I I would say he's that. on a, he's on a he's on a bunch of units right now. Okay, totally see that. Nate, if, if, what advice would you give, or what do you think is going on as they look at film tonight and they get ready for tomorrow? Because you know what's great? They do. It's not like it wasn't a whitewashing like the Niners did to the Broncos. No. And it wasn't pure Armageddon chaos like last year with the Cowboys. So you know what I think is awesome? The Broncos have a great opportunity tomorrow to come rectify whatever issues they may have had. Being, and being a, f- a professional football player is not about all the things you do well. It's about the things you don't do well and then correcting those mistakes and not making the same mistake again. Big day tomorrow, though, Big right? day tomorrow because there's tons of teaching tape, tons of things they didn't do well, tons of things to clean up, as they say, so they'll get out there and get a chance to do it. Now, the starters are in a different boat than the guys trying to make the team. The starters are trying to prove tomorrow that they don't need to play in the preseason game mm. on Saturday. Now, the rest of the guys are proving that they belong on this team, and that's a different, that's a different kind of approach for these guys. 
does. That said, everyone has to come out with high energy and not make mental mistakes, right? It's uh, the mental mistakes they got to clean up. Number one, no more false starts, no more stupid penalties. I don't want to. I, I want to see you guys keeping your composure out there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have to make plays as well. But uh, smart football players—that's what he wants to see. Okay. Uh, really quick, McGlinchey looked. He looked fine, not all the way back because okay. some of the reps went to Alex Palchewski, but uh, I thought he looked all right. Justin today. Simmons still out. We concerned, not concerned. I'll be concerned if uh, he's not practicing five days before the Raiders. Brandon game. Johnson, what are we thinking? He looks like he's on his way back. I've got him on my 53. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you got to go when you got to go or you don't got to go. I got to write something. Ah, because I got a piece of audio that's insane of uh, just a, a, a manager, a coach, just totally whiffing. Totally whiffing on his responsibilities as a manager slash coach. But if you got to go, you got to go. I'm just telling you, I'm playing. I know. Now you're interested. Now, now I got to do it coming out of the break immediately and then I'll go. I'll do it next. Okay. Story, radio story. Dugu Dolls are from Buffalo. Before they really hit it, I love this, KJ. There was a local music show on uh, 103.3 The Edge. It was starring Robbie Goo. He's the bass player. We called him Johnny Goo and Robbie Goo and the drummer Goo. Didn't know his name. And Grandma Goo. And they all used to wear T-shirts at their concerts. Grandma Goo. It was pretty funny there in Buffalo. And Johnny Goo and uh, Robbie Goo. Robbie Goo was hosting the local music show. I was hosting the sex talk show afterwards. The what? Wait, what? Yes. Bury the lead. The show is called <laughs> The show is called Infomania and technically it was a public service show. Wait, so it was your only a show? one minute show. Is that yeah. what it was? Hello. <laughs> Wait, your show was called Infomania? It was called Infomania and I followed it was like um uh, the sex talk show back in the day, you know, Adam Carolla, Dr. Drew. Love Line. Yeah, yeah Love I Line. remember that back in it the day. It was actually uh, uh, we were doing that show before Love Line was a thing. Mm-hmm. But it was me and Dr. Jenny Bagan and we took very graphic calls. What was she a doctor of like she's public public health and you know that sort of thing yeah Yeah. or sex therapist i was thinking um it was more (laughs) a doctor doctor like i got a rash on my who's he what's it you know what's going on there okay but we would have open conversations about sex and things that were going on in your life and uh you know it was buffalo so there were a lot of 19 year old confused women in chictawaga (laughs) (laughs) that just something was wrong with that pierogi and they just had to figure it out so they don't have those shows anymore do they uh, they don't really. They're no. podcasts no, now. Yeah. I think I did it for yeah. I did it for ten months. And they came to me and they just said, uh, you know, uh, we're just going to go in a different direction. Now, how they personal, told me, they how told personal me, did you get though when you did? They the show? told me I put too much personality into the show, <laughs> and it needed just to be more. Hey, Doctor Jenny, what do you think? How did your significant other think of this? We loved the show. We used to before I was on yeah. the show. It was so compelling to listen to. Yeah. That's we, actually how you guys met. She call, she was a caller. She called in. Oh, that would be yeah. a Story. Right, we're moving on. <laughs> um, Bud Black, the the Rockies are leading the Rays four to three. Rays are a very good team that could easily win the World Series this year. They play in one of the worst places for baseball, unfortunately, at least arena wise, not necessarily fan wise. Although the fans don't show up, 
and they're having a chance to beat the best team, and they're probably playing right now. I'm not even paying attention. Why? Because I'm sick of Bud Black making stupid excuses for his team. They gave up nine runs in the bottom of the eighth and lost the game 12-4, to four. and part of the nine-run explosion was a grand slam. Bud Black's excuse. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know, baseball got us a little bit in that inning, right? He jammed Sherry to start the inning. You know, I mean, good pitch, but, he, you know, he uh, you know, got enough of the bat on the ball to loop it into center. You know, the next hitter, ground ball, you know, to, it looked like off the just bat. Just tell me when you're bored at any time. Play ball, but, you know, just out of, you know, max reach. You know, there's a number of balls tonight, right, that eluded, eluded Tovar, eluded Mac, but, you know, that's baseball, right? Game of inches. And then, holy cow. You know, from there, probably, you know, the at bat, the third baseman walked on a 3 2 count. And he just goes down this laundry list of how incompetent they really were. I find this inexcusable. I find it inexcusable to make excuses and saying, that's baseball. Now, the expression, that's baseball, is a real baseball expression for real things that, like, hey, man, that's just the way it goes, that's baseball. But giving up nine runs in one inning, fellas? So let me just ask you guys. First of all, I'm maybe bizarrely passionate about this because I'm repulsed by that attitude. But in just terms of coaching and acceptability, that, to me, lets his players off the hook. They, I don't know what to say. What will motivate his players to be better? When their coach makes excuses like that. Agree, disagree, what do you think? You're the player. I mean, I, I hear that as an explanation, not necessarily excuses, right? I mean, like, I don't know. I, I don't have as big of a problem with it as you do. Now, is it was it boring? Boringly delivered? Yeah. But isn't he correct about that? No. no. I, to me, it's unacceptable. It's poor What was scouting. the better answer? Unacceptable. That was unacceptable. Okay. We Vance Joseph said we can't do that again. Okay, you're talking after about a preseason game. This, the, he doesn't have a high enough standard to make a big deal about something like that. He thinks it's okay. I think that seeps right into the clubhouse and you know talk about not playing with an edge or being able to close things out. Maze to me that is unacceptable as a coach to deliver that kind of message after that poor of a performance. I mean, yeah, I think he talked at one point like the way the ball bounces. Okay. There's a grand slam, okay? That's not the ball bouncing. That, no. is, that is only a bouncing around a bunch of empty seats at the Trop, right? <laughs> right. I mean, okay, Daniel Bard, like he mentioned Daniel Bard had a bad night. Okay, uh, Daniel Bard, since July 26th, he's had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 10 appearances, and he's given up 13 earned runs. Yeah, why is he even in the he's game? Pitching, and I think he's pitched seven and a third innings in that time. Obviously, small sample size, but Daniel Bard's not right right now, Okay. That wasn't just, oh, he had a bad night. He's had, he's had a bunch of bad nights lately. So you think, though, he's not delivering a different message to his players? You, that's the message he's given those guys? 100%. Mm. Yeah, that's I, okay. I do have a problem that, with that. 100%. That's okay. Like, oh, that, oh, we'll get it tomorrow. And look, there's a long history of you have a bad night one night in baseball, but then as the cliche goes, momentum is the next day starting picture. I and, got it, but yeah. enough, man, for a team destined to, it looks like they're destined to lose 100 games. A chance to beat a good team? How about a culture reset in that clubhouse? Are you kidding me? When did losing become acceptable? I asked Patrick Sertan today about the history of the Broncos. What can he take from the history of the Broncos? Do you know what he said? Winning. Winning. I thought it was a great answer by Patrick Sertan because that was the history of the Denver Broncos. That's the standard they have to live up to. What the heck standard are the Rockies living up to? I mean, 
they've never won a hundred in a season, but they've never lost a hundred in a season. Although they might, they might well be on a pace for that because. They're not there yet, but if they lose tonight, they'll be back on a hundred loss. I am pace. just so overhearing yeah, what a good guy Bud Black is. I am sure he's a great guy. He's do. I'll say this: I think he's doing his best as a chef who has less than quality ingredients with which to work. You can only do but so much as a manager. Nine runs. How was your scouting? How was your uh, your pitch sequencing? Where was your positioning well, for your infield or outfield? I don't know, man. Well, don't forget also what when, went it, into this? when it the pitch, not just the pitch sequencing, but when you're talking about if you do make a move and they did and they did make a move, they did change pictures during that inning. Of course, now the rules say if you change a picture during an inning, they've got to face three batters, right? There's no more there was no more left-handed one-out guy, the loogie back in the day. Nope. <laughs> you got to get three. There's got to be a line that coaches keep their players on some sort of edge to perform better, or they must fear that they're not going to have their jobs. That does work. I actually do believe in that. I think that's the tone that Sean Payton is trying to set, and I think it will inherently benefit the team relatively quickly. And the Rockies, you guys are lost. This is the drive on the fan. Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan presents The Drive. It's going down. I'm yelling to my, you better move. You better dance. Let's make the night. You won't remember. I'll be the one. You won't forget. What's happening? It's D-Mac. It's Nate Jackson. It's KJ. You. <laughs> Such a weird little run there. What are you watching on TV tonight? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, get the kid to bed, and then we just, like, just melt into the couch a little bit and just fall. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a really big, like, you know, stay up till 1 in the morning, watch documentaries. Watch guy lately. <laughs> yeah. KJ, what are you watching tonight? Let's see if I can go ahead and finish up Swamp Kings here. Ooh, yeah. how, how deep into it are you? I'm still in episode one, man. Like, uh, I have not gotten far. Oh, you haven't even gotten to Tebow yet. No, I have not, so... I am, I am, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to see if this T-Bowl episode is like. I would love to talk to you guys about it if you can get to it at some point, but um, I can, I can wait. Irm Meyer is a, um, he's not my guy. No, he's not my guy. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't know how to win. I mean, obviously he does, but. Believe it or not, this is probably the first documentary that's kind of opened my eyes to see how bad college football is. Thank you. Why? What do you mean, KJ? Oh, well. From the perspective of you're not building anything healthy, it's either you do it my way or it's the highway. And a lot of people say, well, I know that's corporate America. You know, you, you, you get that in the real world. We're just preparing you for the real world. Should I mentally be worse coming out than I was going in? You told me you were going to make me a better person. You were going to, you promised me that I was going to have access to this, this, and this. But in reality, yes, I do have access to it, but you're taking this, 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 and this away from me in the process. Hey, you know what we got to do? And I didn't know this till last night, so I watched all four episodes. It's just crazy. <laughs> we got to, and I don't mean to spoil anything. I don't think I am. We got to get Noshan on to talk about this because Noshan comes up in a big, big way. Really? Yeah. Big way. So I'm dying to know. How did he come up? Mm. I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it out there. 
Uh, but, but, you know, he was playing for Georgia in the prime of all that Florida stuff. Right. Okay, so, I mean, you know, I mean, we just sort of take it from there. And we know Noshan's a tremendous emotional fired up. And what, do you think they're not trying at Georgia? You don't think, you don't think they're, they're, you know, they want to whoop up on everybody there? I'll give you this, man. That Southeastern Conference, hey, man, that is a, uh, I'm sure it's fiery in the Big Ten and, you know, but damn, man, that SEC is something else. It is something else. It's just like kissing the devil's feet. Man, those, those, <laughs> those fans don't give a crap about the NFL. I'll give you that. No. They don't care at all. Holy cow. And those, there are some of those college teams that get more attention, much more attention than professional teams. And boy, are they gods on earth the way they walk around whatever small little towns they uh they're the kings of that castle. And in Florida, oh my God. Well, it's no surprise how these coaches develop enormous egos. Oh. I mean, you run the state, or at least you probably feel like it. I yep. mean, everybody is bowing down to you. Yeah. But the pressure to win. And I think, I think that's what Prime's trying to do here at CU. And it just feels weird. But what he's doing at CU is exactly what's been happening in the SEC or the Big Ten for years and years and years. It's no different. But it's We're an, just not used to it. Yeah, it's a different environment. <laughs> right. Does it, does it take as well here <laughs> as it does in the South? Dude, I do not know because we're probably soft. Seriously. In the Pac-12 and, you know, comparatively. What do you mean soft? Oh, man. The, it's, it's, we don't live or die by the success of the college football team, and that's yeah. the only thing that matters. If that's what soft is, then yeah. Well, the things that we see Dion doing and, like, pushing guys to their limits and maybe you quit and you transfer or whatever, that is just standard operating pr- procedure mm, in the yeah. SEC. I mean, if you don't do that, what are you doing? There's, there's just no... There, there's no confusion that you're a pro athlete when you're at Florida or Alabama or at Georgia or whatever. None. And it doesn't matter that you're 18 or 19. But it was interesting that documentary, how often the players who were players then did say, hey, man, I was 18. I was 19. Like, they get it now, later in life, like how young they really were. Yeah. And then you get to the NFL, and it's just so different. But even still, man, I'm I'm 44 now, yeah. and I look at these guys who are in the NFL. These these kids who are in the NFL, they're 22, 23. You're you're, you're still a kid in a way. Yeah, but you're so good. Your 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 well, yeah. your level of play, like as as intense. But you're still on that same football roller coaster. That thing ha- you haven't got off that ride yet. Of of all those unbelievably talented kids in Florida, what what one player stands out? You think was the best at the end of the day out of all of them? Think about how good that team was, winning two championships in three years. Players that played in the NFL left and right. Give, give me the best player, you know, that you remember from that era. Like, who was it in the NFL? Oh, who, who played the best in, in, in the, the NFL? NFL? Like, who had the best NFL careers? I don't know. Brandon Spikes? No. Uh, Tim Tebow? No. It was probably Percy Harvin. Mm. Percy Harvin probably translated the best to the NFL. Aaron Hernandez. That's what I was just about to say. Had well, a pretty good couple of years. No, fair, I'm sorry. I'm fair. sorry. Oh my gosh, how do we forget the Pouncey brothers? You think they were better than Percy? Uh, they were good. They had a longer, yeah, longer career. They were good. It could be the Pouncey brothers. Yeah, yeah you might be right about that. 
I think it's worth watching. They do skip over a bunch of stuff. They breeze through Cam Newton being on the team. I mean, what happened with Cam Newton? Like, that's a pretty good story just, but, you know, Cam wasn't sitting down and having a talk near the lake like Tim Tebow was. Tim Tebow whispers a lot in this documentary. (laughs) There's a lot of whispering from Timmy. But you know what? I got to give Tebow credit, man. I thought he was honest and genuine, I think. At least it seemed like that. Um, And intense. And quite a time, man. And then you say, well, what is going on here? And it's, well, this is college. This is college football. This is what everybody really, truly loves, KJ, to your point. KJ, Nate, do you want to know how the sausage is made? Do you really want to know it? Or do you really just want to be blind to it and just really enjoy your Saturdays? What would you prefer? I like sausage, man. I don't want to see it made. Just feed me. But I want it with some eggs and some uh, some bacon and some pancakes. I don't want to go to the factory. I just like sausage. Cecil Lammy had breaking news about Jonathan Taylor. I cannot wait to see what else he has learned. But I just want to go out on those those notes from you. Yeah. I like sausage. This is Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Cecil yelling at people. Next.